Chorsey Eisen for like <laughs> dog. And a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham County, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. We're chatting club, football and hurling today with Bandon goalkeeper Pat Prendergast and dare I say it, looking forward to the yet-to-be-confirmed club season ahead. We'll also catch up with ex-Munster player and coach Laura Guest about the news that Dunmanway's Darren Sweetenham is set to leave the province to join Ronan O'Gara's La Rochelle in the top 14. But Kieran, let's quickly touch on Ireland's dismal 1-0 loss to Luxembourg on Saturday. There's not much more left, really, to be said about it but I just wanted to get your own thoughts three days on from the game you really are a merchant of misery Jack to start off this podcast talking about that game um, it, it was absolutely dismal it was atrocious to sit down and watch it coming off the back of the Serbia performance a couple of days earlier like I know Ireland lost that game 3-2 but there were some shoots the kind of that you could hang a bit of hope off in, in that game Ireland put some decent passages together again Um but they were just lacking in class and last Saturday night against Luxembourg. It, it, it's, it's a very telling stat when the only Champions League player on the pitch was a player from Luxembourg and he ended up getting the goal. Like that shows how far Ireland have fallen in, in recent years. And that's no secret either. I suppose that mismanagement off the pitch is now manifesting itself on the pitch. But still, um, whether it's a sense of entitlement or whatever, you'd still think, oh, Ireland are good enough to beat Luxembourg. But obviously we're not. Uh, like you'd hate to think what'll happen when you travel over to, over to Luxembourg in in a couple of months. Like they'll be hoping to, to to do the double over us. It was just a very very poor display, and, and there was very little positives from it. But Zoon and goal was decent. In fairness to him, he was he, a young fellow. What is he? Eighteen, nineteen in goal. Yeah. He kind of handled himself pretty well. But out the field, there there was nothing. And I know there are injuries. Um, like Conor Horan wasn't involved, and you've a lot more players weren't involved. But still. You you would think on paper that Ireland could be the team like Luxembourg, but it shows it shows where we are right now. So it looks like I don't have to put in for my holidays in Qatar in twenty twenty three or apply for a press pass because I'll be going nowhere that summer or winter. Just to pick up on the point you made there about how the mismanagement of Irish football has affected things on the field now, and I suppose that's excuse is probably the wrong word, but that's a line that's been trotted out to defend the Stephen Kenny era because a lot of fans and the likes of myself and yourself were both trumpeting the benefits of having Stephen Kenny take the job but now that it's not going great he's been defended with the line oh it's actually down to the mismanagement of Irish football over the last 10, 20, 30 years even but is it fair to say that the likes of Martin O'Neill when he was in charge Giovanni Trapattoni when he was in charge and more recently Mick McCarthy, that when things started going sideways for each of those coaches, the blame was put firmly on Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane, on Mick McCarthy and on Trapattoni and their style of play. They were never really given the outlet of, ah, well, look, 
Irish football is a bit of a basket case. So, you know, it can't really blame the manager. And now it's a sense that as Kenny was such a popular choice and now it's going wrong, people like myself included, I include myself in this, are looking for any way possible to defend him because you don't want to admit that maybe we were wrong all along. And the fact of the matter is Mick McCarthy and Martin O'Neill and Giovanni Tony's pragmatism was in fact the only way. Is, is, is there anything in that? I think what's almost working to Kenny's advantage, if you could say that, is that champagne football has come out during his, <laughs> yeah, his, yeah, his, yeah. his, his reign in charge. So we've all got the chance to look behind the curtains and see what exactly was going on in the FAI. And you're kind of reading that book with your jaw kind of hitting the ground. So we know what was going on behind the scenes. And so I suppose it is. It's pretty easy then just to say, OK, it's not Kenny's fault. Um, it's what's happened behind the scenes. But there is, like I said, that mismanagement of... Of Irish football, like if you look at, at, at the debt Irish football is in, all the, the headlines on the front pages for all the wrong reasons over the last couple of years. And that is manifesting itself on the pitch in terms of the players we have right now are, are not good enough to qualify for European Championships or, or a World Cup. And you have to look inward at the FEI for that. Why haven't we the players coming through? Are the structures in place? If, if not, why not? What can be done to better that? But just... On Stephen Kinney for a second, um, I think we all saw him coming in as our our great white hope on the back of a white stallion, and he was going to wave his magic wand and we'd be playing uh, tippy tappy football and putting together these superb triangles. And Zavi and Iniesta would be looking at Ireland saying, "Jesus, those boys can play football," but sadly, that's that's not the case. Um, Stephen Kinney is under pressure now, and you've got what is it, 10, 11 games in, he's still looking for his first win. Before the goals against Serbia, there we've gone. Was it six hundred and seventy minutes or something like that without an international goal? And it and those goals were celebrated as though we'd uh, almost won the game <laughs> in a three-two losing effort. We were like, oh, we've turned the corner. And I was as optimistic as anyone. I think we all reveled in that moral victory where Ireland got a couple of goals, even though that third goal, that second goal, sorry, was as scrappy as they come. And we were beaten by a couple of top-class goals by Serbia. So, Kinney is under pressure. Like, they're playing Qatar now next. Um, if that doesn't go well, um, I don't think he loses his job. But he needs to turn things around quite quickly. I I, I presume he'll be... Um, they've given him their vote of confidence. They'll back him for, for this campaign in a way. Because well, because they can't possibly sack him do. because he's on a, a contract worth several hundred thousand euro. And the FBI aren't really in a position to cut a contract short. <laughs> It, when you say it like that, yeah, it's it, it is nothing. I just want to um, put on the record as well that I would be in your camp of giving Kenny as much time. I uh, definitely this campaign and letting him at least finish the job he he was signed up for. I think so. Yeah, I think he needs like any manager, he needs a full strength squad or as close to a full strength squad as possible to get his best players on the pitch and then put his 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 plans in action. Even for, even for the next game, a couple of players have pulled out so. He's been dogged by injuries the, since he's he's come on board. Um, then there was COVID stuff as well. So hopefully we've hit rock bottom. <laughs> the fear is that we haven't, um, that it could, could get even worse. Um, so once we don't finish bottom of the group, I think that could be progress seeing what, seeing what we've seen in the last couple of games. Yeah, and you mentioned that we have already hit rock bottom. Losing to Luxembourg in a qualifier, I suppose, maybe 10 or 15 years ago would have been seen as a much... Worst result, but I look at this Qatar game. Now we're recording this on the Tuesday before the Qatar game. And uh, from what I've been reading and hearing, like Qatar are no mugs either. And I know it's only a friendly, but it would really add, 
insult to injury if we were to finish this three game run by losing to <laughs> uh, the Gulf nation of Qatar which you know not known globally as a footballing powerhouse I know they're going to host the next World Cup but uh, I, I, t- I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be claiming that the Luxembourg game was rock bottom just yet we'll see how this friendly with Qatar goes on Tuesday evening hopefully hopefully there'll be some positives to take out but maybe we'll score uh, a worldly of a goal and we can all say oh yeah well look you can see the possession football is starting to come to fruition because we had seven passes before James Collins headed that one past the Qatari goalkeeper but anyway watch this space Kieran let's move on then to talk about something we haven't talked about in quite a while on this podcast and that's club football and hurling the reason we haven't spoken about it is of course because there has been no club football or hurling for some months now and we still don't even know when it's going to return but the hope is it will return at some stage in the next 6, 10, 12 months who knows but regardless you had a great chat with Bandon's goalkeeper Pat Prendergast and it really just kind of brought to mind how important the return to club action is the good news is when the club season does return that Pat Prendergast will be between the posts for Bandon again um, he's 40 years young now, he told me. He's turning 41 later in the summer. He's had an incredible career at Bandon. He made his, his adult debut back in 1997. So this is his 25th season of playing adult um, a- a- adult football for, for, for Bandon. And he's been, what an incredible servant he's been over the years. The fact that he's still Bandon's first-choice goalkeeper for their adult junior, their adult, sorry, senior um footballing hurling teams is a testament to him and his skill and if you go back to 2004 he was in goal for the Carberry senior football team that beat Bishopstown in the county final that year so he's he's put together an incredible career and he's not finished yet and I just thought it's a good time to catch up with, with someone like Pat because like you said there we don't know when the club season will, will be back um every GA player and every sports player in in West Cork and the county in the country is itching to get back on the on, on the sports field in the next couple of months and do what they do best. And I think it, it even makes it harder when you look across the water to see the, the lockdown lifting there on, on, on Monday and you see kids back on, on, on the pitches and adults back on the pitches and the golf courses open and so Not on. just Boys. kids. I saw the leader of the Labour Party, Keir Starmer, playing five-a-side last night. In a Donegal top. Oh, but it was so sickening to see an adult man... <laughs> playing five-a-side, whereas I'm still kicking my football off the side of the house every chance I get. So, yeah, so just a chance to catch up with Pat, who's, who's a great character, anyway, and just chat about his story. And even he he offers advice for young goalkeepers coming up. And who better to learn from than a, than a top-class goalkeeper who's been between the post for 25 years and who plays both football and hurling at, at senior level. So Pat was in great form. Like I said, he's, he's a great guy to chat to and a great guy to, to catch up to. And the big headline for Bandon sports fans is he's not going in a way. Pat Prendergast will be, will be between the posts again this year. We're delighted now to be joined on the Star Sport podcast by Bandon's well-known goalkeeper, Pat Prendergast. Welcome to the podcast, Pat. How are things, Kieran? How are you, man? All good here. Um, you took part recently in a Cork G webinar. It was on club football goalkeeper development, Pat Way. Um, and I'm just interested to get your your thoughts, Pat, on I suppose the evolution of the position of a, of, of a goalkeeper. Like you made your debut for Bendon back in 1997, uh, which is what 24, 25 years ago now. So you must have seen huge changes from being a goalkeeper back then to how the role is evolved to now. 
Oh, it's a massive difference, yeah. Regards that webinar, I was invited onto that. It's great. Um, it was a, kind of a brainchild of Connor Coon and and got a couple of great lads involved: Alan Crockery, Manny, there, Billy O'Connor, Kevin Murphy, Bryn Morgan. Do you know all lads? You know, good goalkeepers on the best. And I was fortunate enough to be invited in to give my bit of a help out, and it's. That's exactly what we were doing. It the evolution and the way people are thinking now, and the way it's a whole different mindset now. Like when I started, you pick the the wides off the ground from the six yard box, and uh, any score was from the twenty one yard box. And I was off the ground. The team came in about two thousand seven, which kind of helped. Helped in my opinion. I think it's great. It was a great asset. And then I suppose what has come now, like it was kick, put it down, kick as far as you could, and hope the midfielders were able to win it whereas now every kick out is, has, is so precise you have to be able to hit a wing back running you have to be able to hit a cornerback you've got to be able to forward coming short you've got to go long when they press up on you it's just so so much the start so I think we just stack there there's 23 kick outs in a game and if you win your kick, winning your kick outs if you win 72% of your kick outs you win a game if you lose or if you only win 55% of it, you lose the game. That's a stat that we had there, we realised in the webinar. So it's kind of a huge part of it. And then, of course, you can't forget the bread and butter. Your shot stopping has to be good. Your handling has to be good. Your communication is a huge, huge thing. Your backs have to be nowhere to go. And you have to be loaded. You have to be loaded, for, not just for the sake of being loaded, you have to be loaded with a purpose. And, um, you know, it's that it's... What you see sometimes is coaches then will expect that these young fellas, everyone, everyone think must have wanted Stephen Cluxton, you know, without giving the, the young lad the, the tools to do that. So that's kind of what the webinar is about. It's about getting the young fellas thinking like that and getting the coaches to change their, their thoughts and how they pick their goalkeepers and how they use them. And, and that's, um, it's, it's been, it's been well received, I think. And it's, it's, it's been great to be involved in the second part when I was on Wednesday night, the 31st, and that'll be that's more into the practical side of it, and that's another step on again. And hopefully, come the end of the lockdown, we'll be in the pitches. The plan is to go around to a few different centres around the park and uh, do a bit on pitch sessions with coaches and goalkeepers. They'll all be invited. It's all about upping the standard for park goalkeeping, you know. You you mentioned there, Pat, just the name Stephen Cluxton. When people think of um, Gaelic football now and goalkeeping, Stephen Cluxton obviously springs to mind because how he's changed the game with his restarts. And you mentioned there that was very interesting stats about if you hit a certain number, is it seventy two percent of um, key possession after your kickouts, you have a good chance of, of winning the game. So as a goalkeeper yourself, like you've obviously seen how how important restarts are now and and keeping possession. So how important is that in football? The restart, mm-hmm. restart is massive. It's 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 huge. You just have to. It's about, and it's it's not about just the goalkeeper. It's about having backs who are alive to it, midfielders who are alive to it, wing forwards who are alive to it. Everyone, it's kind of an orchestrated thing. Groups you have, you like days of a cornerback now running over his back. Yeah, is gone. It's up to the goalkeeper's main part to get the ball on the tee as quick as he can. You know what I mean? Get it. That's what. Uh, just another stat in it there was well, there was back when Cluxton about 2010 they say and these goalkeepers they were finding that the longer you left it on the tee or the longer you took it to get the ball on the tee the le- less chance you had your kickouts winning being successful so 
he's now down to work six seconds, I'd say six or seven seconds, and proof is in the pudding, you know what I mean? And that's what it's about. And just everyone has just switched on, you know? Obviously, now the role of a goalkeeper, there's a far more responsibility attached to it because it's such a key part of the game now. How does that pressure sit on your shoulders, knowing that you have such an impact on the game and, and your kickouts and your restarts can 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 sway the the, the, the game in, in Bandon's advantage? Oh yeah, look, it's if you think if you thought about it too much, you'd you know the pressure, if you think about the pressure, you get a bit worked up about it, but it's not like you just have to it's just practice, practice, technique, technique, practice, you know, it's just constantly working at it, constantly working with the backs, constantly working with the midfielders. And then when you get onto the pitch, it's, it becomes muscle memory as such. You know that it's just it works hopefully. You know, and we've been lucky enough in the last few years. I suppose things have worked for us, and you know we've had a bit of success. And that's down to as a collective, you know. We as I say, if we if we if it, if it works, it's a collective, and if it fails, it's a collective, you know. Like I mentioned, mentioned earlier, Pat, I said you, you made your Brendan debut back in 2007, so you've had that longevity ever since. So in all those years, even go back to your underage days, what's the best piece of advice you were given? The best piece of advice I ever had, and it's, it's what I kind of give to a lot of other, little, our other younger goalkeepers, is have a short memory. Have a short memory. For any goalkeeper, it's a big thing, in my opinion. It's, it's a few, let a ball, a, a ball drop in or make a mistake. First, you lose the head, you, you run out, you kick it out, and the second ball comes back in, and the exact same thing happens, and then that's it, you know. So you have to be calm and just have a short memory. Forget about what happened before, you can't think what happened before, you can only think what's coming next. And as a goalkeeper, as the last line, that's all you can do, you know, deal with what's in front of you. Take me back to the very start, so Pat. Why did you decide to, to go in between the posts? <laughs> decide or put? Um, I suppose in, I was a soccer goalkeeper when I was underage, up to about, well, when I started playing soccer. And I was playing outfield for the football team and the hurling team. And in Colum Horn, actually, was, Colum, our manager now would have been, we're the same class in school, but he's a year behind me, Jay Wise, but Colum would have been our goalkeeper. But we were 14 and then we got to 16 and management wanted to play the older goalie out the field so they asked me what I would call I was a soccer goalkeeper and would suit me and I'd know where to stand and I'd know where to do this so I said yeah look I'll give it a try and that was <laughs> under 16 my first year under 16 um, so my second year under 16 then I was going for the minor team as well and we won the county minor A county which was a huge thing for us with a great minor football and great minor hurling team actually as well and that was kind of the start of it and in their sense and very rarely I get around the field now over the years, so, <laughs> you know. I mentioned the word longevity earlier, and that really sums up your career, because I know I'm going to give away your age now, Pat, but you're, you're, you're 40 this year, and you're turning 41 later in the year. Like, that's, and I mentioned as well that you made your debut back in 2007 for the, the Bandon Adult team, so that, that's 24, 25 seasons. That's an incredible GA career there. So what's the kind of the secret behind your longevity? What's the, what's the magic formula that, that you can share with the rest of the, <laughs> the, the, the GA fraternity in West Cork? Look, it's a look. Uh, no, I've just been, um, I suppose, yeah, I made my debut in 97. I played junior B in 96, actually, against uh, Teddy Holland. So I was going back now to the Holland, 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 to the Holland
yeah, I just I've been fortunate with injuries. I suppose I've never had too many serious injuries. Um, but most of them were probably when I was playing rugby rather than playing GA. And uh, I've just been kind of lucky enough. I've gotten involved in played with good teams and worked hard on what I was doing. You know, I worked hard on my skills and worked hard. You know, I was a lot of nights spent in the corner on my own, diving for balls and diving in the muck and everything else, and then working kickouts. And it's just, you know, you kind of, I suppose, in goalkeeper, there can only be one position. So it's kind of been lucky I've been able to hold it for. As much in my time, I think I missed about six or seven championship games for Bandon, I'd say, in that time. So, you know, the hard part is that year I was saying I was there, if I was starting, then the young fellas, I was starting my 25th pre season with Bandon this year. So, it, <laughs> it doesn't get easier. No. And I suppose what's an incredible part of your story, too, is you juggled both codes as well. So, how, how do you find that? Yeah, um, I just, it's just, you know, I enjoy playing the games. Um, I went in like that now, same situation. I went first year minor, I was asked to go and goal for the hurling team because I was a football goalkeeper and I went in and fortunate enough in 99 we won a bit. Uh, we won a county in 99 and time after that I played a few years intermediate and then I took a bit of a break of kind of more concentrating on football in the middle from, but I was playing junior hurling out the field and I think that really helped my hurling out the field that few years I played out the field and then I was asked in 2016 to go back into goal, the goalkeeper to going with the army, and that's been a whirlwind since as well. We won the company and I played, got to play senior hurling and got playing the senior company quarterfinal, which is a massive thing for Bandon. And you know, it's been great, you know. And how do both games complement each other? Like, can you take something for being a football goalkeeper and apply to being a hurling keeper and vice versa? Positional wise, you would get bits, you know, you'd, there'd be bits of that and just knowing where you are in goal. Communication is obviously a thing that transfers both. Now, what I'm finding in hurling as well, as come in the last couple of years, is the quick restarts, the short puckouts, accurate puckouts. It's becoming a bit more footballized that way. You know, the goalkeeper has a lot more influence on the game as well. That's something I tell the young hurling goalkeeper it's like, this is your chance to affect the game. So, work on your puckouts, work on your your communication work and stuff like that. So it's kind of, yeah, I, I see a lot more out than it would have been before, I suppose. There's a lot more of a coming in the game is, as I said, becoming a bit more footballized and it's, it's all about puck out strategies and puck out percentages. And, would you be a student of the game after pitch, Jim? Like, would you be very much into your stats and looking at videos of, of yourself in action and even different goalkeepers and trying to, to glean and learn different bits off watching different goalkeepers and then apply that to your own game then? You would, you'd, you'd, you'd just, things like, um, the, the things like kickouts like that, you know, and puckouts and the way, the best way to, the quickest way and the best way and uh, I do a lot, I do a lot of that, I study a lot of the other goalkeepers and, oh, and then from learning, from being involved, I was lucky enough involved with good banding from the younger lads, the younger goalkeepers are training with us and then also with Carberry, when I was involved with Carberry, you know, there's, there, it's always learning you know you're always every day is a school day and you're always trying to pick up something else that someone else does that they might be doing it that little bit quicker than you or the, they might, and then you hope to pass on your bit of that you, stuff that you might know as well you know? 
and looking back over the last 24, 25 years, you've packed an awful lot in there, Pat. I was looking at, at, at your role of honor list beforehand, and Jesus, it, it's pretty impressive. Even going back to 2004, you won a county senior with Carberry, and then, like you mentioned there, about the bending footballers and hurlers have had been some journey the last the last 10 years going, going up to senior and both. Um, what stands out for you, so kind of highlight-wise, if we can almost condense it down to the top three or four, because otherwise we could be here for a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've been, I've been extremely lucky, you know, I've been extremely lucky over the years. Um, look, there's been a few great things happen, I suppose, the double year of 2016 was probably the top of it all off. That was an immense thing. There was, I think we were on the go like 10 or 11 weeks in a row, weekends in a row, and we didn't even get a break between the two finals because Jamie Donovan was getting married the following week. So we had to play two Sundays in a row, and that was... That's probably the highlight of my time. I've had a few other highlights over the years. I remember my first year with Carberry, 2000, um, going up a child in the 90s, uh, late 80s, 90s. My two favourite car footballers were John Kearns, obviously, and um, Stephen O'Brien. And we played the, the 2000, we played it. My first year, I was about quite into the Carberry, and we played Cork seniors, and Stephen was playing full forward for Cork the same day. And I remember kicking a ball. And he kind of chipped it over his head and it was on to one six and someone just running onto it and he turned around and he says, Jesus, that's a great kick out, you know? And like that to me, that was a highlight then, you know, this is great. I, who's that? That's, he's talking to me, like this is amazing stuff. And I was just little highlights I'd have over the years. Then, um, i trying to think, I've had, had a lot of good times. A lot of low points too, there's been a fair few high points, you know, it's been 2004, obviously, winning a senior football county is a, a major achievement, you know, and you wanted with people like you'd say, you'd say we're a divisional side, but every one of them I'm friends with today, oh, that team was, I could meet them any one of them and I'd stop and talk to them. We were, we were very close to the team. We, were, we went on holidays together after it. We were just, you know, that was a great team. That was a great, and I know um, Big John has gone and Pat running from Queen Tavara, who were selectors, and, or, sorry, from St. Columns, who were selectors in that team, were gone and, you know, you, it was just we were very, very, very tight group, you know. And we're obviously talking about Bandon GA as well. And the fact that Bandon have senior teams in both football and hurling now, it's a credit to the club and everyone involved. And there's a huge crossover of players in, in, in both teams. And even go back to last year, um, the 2020 championship, you got to the quarterfinals of both championships as well. So with this new kind of condensed um, club season, the Bandon hurlers and footballers, you're out every second weekend. So I presume looking back to last year, that was tough going, was it? It is, it is, you know, and especially when you probably didn't have a proper pre-season, you know, with lockdown and everything, it makes it even harder. If you get one injury, you're in trouble, you know, one of the, and we, I like that, we have 14 lads playing, I think, both, both first teams we had anyway for a while, we've probably gone down a bit now, but for the most part, that's what we have, and if you lose, you look, if you lost the legs of Subaru or Peter Murphy or someone of any of those teams, you know, they're hard to replace. Anyway, you know, so it's just, it's tough going, it's tough going and it's, look, it's just been lucky enough, managements have been cute enough that they, they work well together over the years, they're willing to talk to each other, they're willing to look, this fellow needs to be rested tonight, give him a rest, there's no problem there on the other end, you know, and that has kind of kept being the secret, well not the secret, but it's been the kind of, the recipe for success we've had, you know. You mentioned there the likes of Mark Subaru and I suppose Michael Callan from the Hurlers and, and so on. Who are some of the, the best club players you played with so over the last 20, 25 years? Club oh, players? Oh, um, yeah, I've been lucky enough, with, as I said, with Carby and stuff. I played with 
Um, look, Owen Sexton, I played behind him for a long time. Owen Sexton was a dream to play behind. He was a man that, he was gas. If you, if you tied your shoelace, he'd tell you you did that the best. Do you know what I mean? He was just one of these. He was a brilliant motivator. Unbelievable motivator. Um, I'll go back to 99, Arlington. Um, we'd have sent her back in that team. George Donovan, call him Hammer. You've just seen this fellow hurl here, and he was just—he was—he was so good. He was the—he he was the court minor, but he, he was the fellow who brought in the first the, when you win a ball, you know, for a clash. He'd be, he'd get his hurley in front of him and flick it up into his hand. He was just—he was a touch of class, no pearl dirt. His early twenties, got cancer and died, and he was a huge loss. I played him all up underage, won the county with him in '99. He was a huge loss to Bandon, and we had our 20th anniversary there last year, and. But he wasn't there. Obviously, he was missing, and you know it leaves a hole. And it's kind of like George was just—he was—he'd be up there, and I would keep like David. On a personal note, I suppose the likes of playing with Alan Johnson, Kevin Lucy, my friends—they were great players. They were great servants to Bandon over the years. Just hard. James Donovan, another great solid player, you know. But then the younger fellas came in then and played with the likes of Mark Subu. Do you know what I mean? It's just a Mark's day. Mark is just, there's no holding him. I think, in my opinion, just, he's the best forward I've played with. You know, I played with another good forward with John O'Connell, who, who, who did everything for, as well. You know, he's pace, he everything. But Mark is just that guy that, that's always one of the best, as, as I played, I think, probably one of the best football ability I've played with. You mentioned there, Alan Johnson and Donna Lucy, and I take him back to 2016 now when Bandon had that great, great season. I remember chatting to you, I think, after the county junior final against Ivlera, and you were making the point to me is it was so special for you because you'd won that county playing with friends that you'd grown up with, and you'd started the journey with go back 15, 20 years earlier. So to share the journey and to share such such success with the with your friends, that must be a huge highlight as well. Oh yeah, that's that's huge. I have a picture there after the football with um, Alan, myself, and Kevin. You see there with the, with the after the Derry game, and that was that was the like we'd won rugby tournament. We were rugby competitions together. We did rugby all as well together. We won. You know, we travelled a long road in the gym to football. We were probably predominantly footballers, the three of us, and it was just to win it eventually with them, you know, and to be on the same team as them and. It was just a massive feeling because like, they were the ones I travelled to, travelled every game with. They were the ones we went in the, you know, they were, we tripped the, the car. We after a bad match, they were the ones you, you gave out uh, or gave out with, and you were the ones that celebrated after big games with. And we're still like we're we're, we're a group of friends still all the time. We're we're best friends and all that. But it's just uh, now they're the fellas I'm golfing with. <laughs> you know, which is kind of where we're going because Alan has packed it last year or the year before and Kevin packed it before that so it's kind of you're losing that as well and losing the, these these friends you know it's but it's from the, the restaurant but they're just they were great guys and they were great the young people came through you know we're the last men standing so as you're looking forward to the 2021 season so obviously right now we don't know when the season's going to kick off or what it's going to look like um, so how have you kept yourself ticking by over the last couple of months? Look we've it's been very good. Um, we've had uh, Stuart there, our physio, our sorry, our strength and conditioning guy in between Cullum and Aidan McCarthy here as a middle snow that you're as a coach. They've kind of got together and they've formulated what they want us to do. And it's it involves running and a lot of running and a bit of gym work. And you know, it's kind of you have to send your time in at the end of the week. You work on your own. And um, when I say gym work, no, it's obviously you're doing it from your home with your 
you know, your body weights and stuff like that, but it's been very, it's just, it keeps, it keeps going. Then you, the odd Zoom meeting, then we, you know, we sit down and discuss a lot of the kind of tactics and stuff because the lads want to get on the, when we, when we get on the back of the pitches, we want to hit the ground running. So it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's been busy. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like the webinar and stuff going on like that. And then with work and with everything else going on. And I've this year I've kind of gone in as a selector with the minor footballers and Bannon as well. So it's kind of my mind, you know, I haven't time really time to, to not be thinking about it as I say, but it's been good, you know. And what is the motivation so Pat to keep coming back season after season? Because you've given so much to Bend and G over the years, um and Carby G and football and hurling in general. But you keep coming back. And I remember Again, after Celtic Ross, um, West Cork Sports Star monthly presentation years ago, we were chatting after, and you told me you had no intention of hanging up your, your gloves anytime <laughs> soon, and it still seems to be that way now. So what does keep you coming back season after season? Yeah. Look, as you say, and it's been good to me as well, you know, and all that as well. And I, I like, to, you know, if I can help out anyway, I can I keep coming back, you know what I mean? It's, it's when, I suppose, the day I feel that, or they feel that I'm not adding to it then I'll step aside, you know what I mean? But it's it's the dress, it's the thing I miss, and it's the big thing with last year was I missed the dressing room. I'd, I'd miss the dressing room. It's the, you go in there 20 minutes before training or whatever, that you arrive with me work, we're working stuff like you're probably running in the door. You're meeting the younger lads, but they're, they keep you young, you know what I mean? The bit of cracking, the bit of messing they're going on with her, what they've done during the week, you know? As I said, I'm home with my, two, my wife and my two kids. They're out enjoying themselves on Tuesday and Thursday, you know what I mean? And it, the stories they'd have, and that's kind of that keeps you going. And you'd miss that, you know, you'd miss the camaraderie of it, like the, the, the banter. And then look, the, the working hard for one purpose, too, you know, 30 guys working hard for the one purpose is a big thing to step away from, you know. And look, as I said, it's around that time someone wrote it, you know, it was yourself or something that was in the toilet of my career, probably around that time. And still, probably I'm in the toilet of my career, but it's just. At the moment, look every year, like last year, I decided I was going. To, I was thinking of packing again, and then you get a boost, and that lasts a week, and then you, the lads are going training next week, and um, so you get a phone call then about that, and then you're back in again, and it's hard to get off the wheel, as they say, you know. And if you look at abandoned footballers for a second for the season ahead, you mentioned there, Colm Heron is back in, and he's bought Aidan McCarthy from Clan Whitham, got to the county quarterfinals last year, so. That, that, that senior A championship is fierce competitive. We saw that last year. It was probably one of the best championships of, of, of the lot. Um, so how close do you think Bend and are in the senior A football championship? I think we're close, yeah. You know, I think it's... Uh, we've we've been like, with a couple of young fellas now. Like, actually, Tony Keller was involved, was the manager involved, and Derek and uh, John O'Shea and Kevin Lucy. And they, you know, they were able to unearth a couple of young fellas as well that you know, brought them in. Through it, like, like they didn't done it with these and fellas, then they've added something more to it as well, you know. So, incorporate that with a couple of the older lads, then, and the likes of Mark and Peter Murphy, and these fellas are in their mid 20s, do you know what I mean? Late 20s, and they're coming into their prime now as well. And it's just, do you know, I think you now, obviously, like, Skibber Good, like, Zero, they got a lot of strong teams there. Um, I know it's not sorted out yet who will. Who, who the winner that's going to be between the, uh, the winner of the Intercontinental Cup final last year. But, like, no matter what, there's a lot of good teams left. There's no bad team. And that's, that's the great thing about the grades. And same with the hurling. It's, there's no bad teams. You you can't rest one week. You have to turn up and you have to show up. And that's, I think that's why the new championship is, oh, it doesn't suit new clubs in a lot of ways, but I think it's just a great, 
then the idea of it is great. If you could spread out the times, the idea of it is great, you know. Turning so to the hurling for a second, I think it was Ken Turk who got the better event in the quarterfinal of the Senior A hurling championship last year. So again, how close do you think you are there, Pat? To even going one or two steps further. Ah, that's the most open championship ever, and it was the same when it was the Premier Intermediate. When we were Premier Intermediate, like it's a great championship. There's no, as I said, there's no bad teams. Like we played Charleville, random close last year for 45 minutes. They got a couple of soft goals before the before the quarter break and that kind of killed us but our momentum didn't beat from either week after or after that and then the draw with Mallow like who Mallow have been at that level are very good for years so like you can't there's no one I think Father Neils are very strong I'd say that Father Neils are, are excellent will be excellent team next year but I think everyone else and like some new stoners so there's just some great teams there and it's some great on your day you can beat anyone on your day you can be beaten by anyone that's, you know, that's, that's what championship should be about and I think the good news for all Bend and GA supporters is that Pat Prendergast will be between the posts again for the 2021 season. Clear, Pat, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and best look for the season ahead. No problem. Thanks a million. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. On Monday morning, the news broke that Dunmanway's Darren Sweetenham was to end his association with Munster Rugby and head off to Pastures New by joining La Rochelle and Ronan O'Gara in the top 14 in France. Kieran, you had the chance to catch up with ex-Munster player and coach Laura Guest to speak about the move for Darren and what it means for his career going forward. Yeah, Laura is obviously someone who knows rugby inside out. She won a Grand Slam at Ireland, played in three World Cups, won 10, I think, Interpros with Munster, coach Munster into Interpro success. So who better to talk to about a West Cork rugby story than a West Cork's greatest ever women's rugby player and Laura feels this is a smart and good move for Darren Sweetenham um, he's going to put himself in the shop window with La Rochelle for the next couple of months so then in the summer hopefully and that the hope is that La Rochelle or maybe some other clubs might come in then and offer Darren a, a contract if he stayed at Munster for the rest of the season we don't know how much game time he he would actually would have got with Munster but he's gone over to La Rochelle as a medical joker which is its injury cover for one of their players who had a crucial operation. So the hope is he'll get game time over there. Laura Guest thinks too that the French league will suit his style of play, that they like to play with the ball a lot more and that will play to Darren's strengths. So she feels it's, it's a good move for Darren Sweetenham. It's going to put him in the shop window. And then the big hope is that a club will offer him a new contract in, in the summer. Because you made the point to me, Jack, when this news broke on Monday, he's only 27 years of age, yet he seems to have been around for years and years and years. But at 27, he's turning 28 in May, he still uh, has a lot of rugby le- left to be played. And you could even argue that the peak years of his career are, are yet to come. Look at someone like Keith Earls, as Laura Guest will ch- chat about quite soon as well. He's 33 years of age now, and he's lifting off the ground altogether. So there's a lot of rugby left to be played by Darren Sweetenham. We don't know yet where that will be past the summer. So if the Donnie's hurlers are listening to this and they're thinking they're getting Darren back for the Junior A Championship this year, I'd say hold your powder, lads. Maybe not. We'll just see how it plays out in La Rochelle. We're joined now on the podcast by Laura Guest to chat about Darren Sweetenham's move to La Rochelle in France and also it's the end of his association with Munster Rugby. Um, Darren requested an early release from his contract to join La Rochelle in the top 14. Um, so it also brings an end to his monster adventure, Laura. Do you think this is a move that makes sense for Darren right now to, to go to La Rochelle in France? 
Yeah, I actually really do. Um, I suppose he's uh, had his injury problems, I suppose, across the last couple of seasons and really and truly hasn't been a regular feature for Munster, despite the fact that he's still an incredibly talented winger. Um, so now I think it really is a great opportunity for him. He gets a bit of control over his um, his chance of getting a new contract with some club next next season, um, you know, and hopefully things go well in La Rochelle. You know, Ron O'Gara might find a way for keeping him there as well. And the, the, the French rugby style probably would suit Darren. Because we were just chatting off, off air there and we're making the point that Darren is still only 27 years of age. He doesn't turn 28, I think, till May. And if you look at it, he's played over 90 times for Munster, scored 22 tries. He's had um, three caps for Ireland as well. And he's had his injury problems in the last couple of years. But he's still only 27. So there's still a lot of rugby left for Darren to play over the next couple of years. Yeah, you'd think his peak is actually possibly ahead of him, despite the fact that he's had some great years already. Um, I think he's a little unfortunate in Munster in one way in that um, it's just a very, very competitive place um, on the wing there for Munster with Earls and Conway go ahead of him. You probably can't argue that one. And then, of course, Shane Daly's coming through the last while. But but Darren's aerial ability, his defensive work, I think even his defensive tackling, he's not a big guy. But for me, like his defensive intelligence as well as his ability with the defensive tackle, they're huge. And I think... I think literally Darren could play in any team and do well. He's just kind of got all the skills, but I think he's just been unlucky in that he got injured at maybe the wrong time, if you like, and, and Shane Daly is beginning to come through and he, he already had two internationals to try to be competing with, which was a bit of a challenge as it was, but I, I, I'm sure he loves the challenge as well. So hopefully this is just the start of a big move for him. You mentioned there about Darren's injuries. If you go back to 2019, I think it was, he suffered three hamstring tears in a short space of time and that almost derailed that entire season. And it's it's taken him, well, he's probably struggled to come back from that because of what you said there, Laura, as well, the, the depth in talent that Munster have in those areas, Earls, Conway, and, and so on. So moving to France now, La Rochelle, it's a clean slate, fresh opportunity. And you mentioned there, you think he could go well in the top 14. Do you think it's a league that could suit his skills? I just think they like to play a bit of ball, maybe a bit bit more maybe than Munster's game currently. And, and maybe as a winger, Darren feeds off scraps in Munster and, and maybe there's a bit more throw the ball around in France. And, and I actually just do think that he's got great skills. I think he, you know, he played 10 at, at schools and, and he probably could play anywhere. And even his his um, cross-sporting background probably lends himself to plenty of decent skills. Like in the air, he's excellent for a small guy. And I just think that potentially with a bit of game time under his belt, again, you could see um, you could see a rejuvenated Darren Sweetnam and I think that'd be brilliant. And I, I feel like it's nearly a bit harsh to say his injury worries because I think for the first six or seven or eight years of his career there for, for Munster, I don't think he had any injuries. And then, as you say, he got knock on knock of, uh, of injury that were serious injuries. And, you know, that, that would be difficult for any player. But he... He was pretty consistent without any injury for the first spell of his career too. And I think there's at 27, you know, he's hopefully only just beginning to come into his peak. If you look at, for, for me, he's a very similar player to Keith Earls. You know, he's he's of similar size, I suppose. He's got the footwork, he's got the aerial prowess, he's, he's got the defensive qualities of Earls. And you, you look at him there now and he's in probably the form of his life now and he's, you know, 33 or that. And, and so hopefully Darren can can mirror that. So it's Darren's importance in the, in the rise of West Cork rugby over the last couple of years. It's a story we've all told countless times because um, he almost he was one of the first people through the door. I think he joined Munster was it back in in twenty twelve for the 2012-2013 season, and back then he was only a, a, a young guy from from Dunmanway, but he went on to achieve great things at Munster. Like we said, over ninety appearances for for the province. But it's more than that, Laura. It's just he showed 
that it is possible for for a guy or a girl from from West Cork to go all the way up to to Toman Park. He joined the dots from this rural countryside in West Cork to to Munster, and since then, so many more have followed Darren's path. So, in like looking at it from a I suppose a bigger picture, Darren's importance in the story of the rise of West Cork. Yeah, absolutely. I think he was the trailblazer, to be perfectly fair to him. And, um, you know, you, you look at him as a, a role model for those around him as well. And he's a perfect role model. You know, he's a, a clean cut guy. He, he's serious about a sport. He, he was able to play many sports to, to great um, to great um, talent. You know, he was an underage hockey international, if I recall, as well. And, you know, he, he could do everything. And even his ability to focus and, and kind of impact those in Van de Grammer that have subsequently followed, that list is long as well, even even before you add in the Witcherleys. And, and, of course, Liam Coombs came via CBC as opposed to via Van de Grammer. But, but Darren definitely made it possible for West Cork men to think this is possible for me to do. And they've all just started to follow in their droves which is fantastic for you know a massive pocket of cork but but nothing really rugby wise before any of these people and darren certainly was the first of those that really came through from the men's side of things because if you talk to Fineen Witchley or John Hodnett now, they'll always name check Darren Sweetenham as some fella that they looked up to when they saw him at Munster. Because when he joined at Munster and he was starting to, to find his feet there, they were maybe 14, 15 or 16. And they were seeing a guy from West Cork, from their local community, going on to kind of make his uh, make an impact at Munster. So, so it showed that it was it was possible and it was achievable for someone from West Cork to to play at Munster and subsequently win three caps with with Ireland too. So like we're just saying there, Laura, he's had such an important part in the story. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to be fair, had had Darren not come true, you might only see one or two of those. But like we've been very fortunate with West Cork being very well represented and hopefully, you know, the future is only brighter and getting brighter, but it's because of the likes of Darren coming through, as you say, at the perfect time. And those guys' young careers, because they were 15, they were maybe even from 13 through to 16, and they're very impressionable. And as soon as they could see someone like Darren, and, you know, it's back to the the sport, uh, the women's sport campaign of if she can't be, she, if she can't see, she can't be. And um, no different for them. If they couldn't see Darren, they didn't think they could be potentially and. And fair enough, they've come through different schools. They haven't all come through Bandon, but at the same point, they've all come out of West Cork because of the fact that Darren came out of West Cork ahead of them. And they said, yeah, I could do that. If Darren can do this, I can do this. And that's that's something that, you know, West Cork can't thank Darren enough for and, and definitely can't repay Darren for. But but it's to Munster's benefit that those players have come through. And I, I know that Munster certainly, you know, are grateful for Darren and have always rated Darren highly. And I'd say Munster, you know, are sorry to see Darren go in one way, but I would say very much wish him well knowing that this is a great move for Darren um you know just coming towards the end of that contract and a new a new contract or a contract running out in the summer and Munster financially not being able to kind of maybe offer him something I think this is the next best thing for Darren and and possibly a really lucky bounce if he can make the most of it and and get across and get some game time I think it was unfortunate but I think he, he missed out on being able to be added to their European Cup um list just by a matter of hours maybe or a day or so and I think that's a little unfortunate but hopefully look he'll have a good run in the top 14 and maybe that'll be a blessing in disguise in the end as well without playing a massive amount of rugby if he was to go in and and play week on week for for in the top 14 it's quite intense anyway um so so maybe maybe this would be a blessing but hopefully it gives Darren a perfect opportunity to to, to take a bit of control over his next step 
And an important thing too is Rodan O'Gara is obviously a head coach over in La Rochelle and he'll, he'll obviously know Darren well from Munster and he'll have the inside track there. So it's probably helping Darren too. He's going over to the club with Rodan O'Gara there, a, f- a fellow Cork men. So they'll be able to understand each other pretty well, talk about home and all, and all that. But Rodan O'Gara will also know all about Darren Sweetenham. So that should help as well. Absolutely. You think it can only help. And um, even at the minute, there's so many Irish players in the top 14. You'd nearly think that no matter who he plays against, he'll come up a guy he knows, you know, be it former Munster teammates, be it former um, uh, competition in Leinster squads and different bits. But like you're you're right, it can't hurt the familiarity of Ron O'Gara. I would imagine even Ron O'Gara had a bit to do with, you know, knowing that Darren's contract was coming out. And I'd say Darren was cleverly and carefully chosen, if you like. And you know, it's it's really great for him, as I say, and I think you know it's an opportunity that he certainly will be trying to make the most of. And you know, even just looking in, I don't I don't know Darren personally, but looking in, you know, Darren is the kind of guy that has a massive work ethic, and I think he'll make the most and, and every shot possible of, of making this a success. And hopefully, you know, things go his way, and hopefully, he gets a run without a few injuries, and and he can make a big impact in La in La Rochelle. And I think they're they're a club that are on the up as well. And I think O'Gara. Um, is a great coach to be going into work on, and I think even if even if uh, things don't go perfectly in the La Rochelle sense, hopefully Darren can learn something off Ron O'Gara and and you know add it to his game for wherever he ends up next season. There's more to come in the Darren Sweetnam story. Thanks, Laura, so much for joining us on the podcast. No problem at all. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And before we wrap things up this week, as always, we're going to quickly preview this Thursday's Southern Star Sports section. So, Kieran, take it away. What can readers expect? It's a good Friday to speak, Jack, but it's going to be an even better Thursday because the star <laughs> is going on sale. Oh, I love it. We have a really good sports section this week. Um, some of the highlights I've caught up with Nicola Tuttle. She was crowned West Cork Junior Sports Star of the year at the recent um, Sports Star Awards and just to chat about her career more in depth and what her future plans are and especially about the home, the homemade throwing cage and circle that her father built on the farm in Barley in Kilbritton. We also got Martin Mulch, the photographer, out to, to, to meet Nicholas so we have some stunning photos of that homemade throwing cage and circle and that's literally the, the playground for a national senior champion. So that's well worth checking out. We also have a superb interview with uh, Bandon Horse trainer James DeLay, um, who is going great guns at the moment. And he had, a, he had a winner there a couple of weeks ago. So James chats about why he got involved in, in training and so on and his future plans. So superb read. Um, lots of good reading in this week's Star Jack. We have an interview with the Clannacilty and Cork footballer, Sean White and an exclusive picture of the homemade gym that they have in their grandparents' garage up in Sunday's well. Um, the picture includes Sean and his brother, Mark White, both on the Cork Senior football team. But what really stands out to me is the posters hanging in the background um, on the wall in the garage. And I'm not going to say any more. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Yeah, you'd have to buy Thursday Southern Star to see what the posters were. But let's just say... I liked him. Um, we also have an interview with Siobhan Courtney, who's the Castlehaven ladies football captain, just about her career and her journey. We have a story too that will be that will make, I suppose, GA players across West Cork and beyond very envious. I've caught up earlier with John Bobs Daly. He's the well-known St Mary's hurler footballer who's been living in Wellington in New Zealand since June 2018. 
And a couple of weeks ago, um, his club in New Zealand, they won the double in the New Zealand Championships. They won the football and the hurling title. Uh, John Bob's got played a match in the hurling final, and it was the first time in donkey's years or even ever that they won the football. And it, well, it, it's definitely the first time the club won both the football and hurling double at the New Zealand Championships. But even chatting to him, the fact he's in New Zealand, and it's quite ironic that he's as far away from home as he possibly could be and he's training GA and he's playing GA and the, his GA season is finished now and he's back playing soccer. So um, it's a it's a lovely West Cork story to see. A, That's a, like one, the worst news you could possibly tell me about, Kieran. The hurling season finishes, the soccer season begins and he's absolutely loving life and we're still, we're still stuck inside a year after this whole mess started. My God, the more you think about it. The not only you get. Not only is he loving life, but he's winning championships. He's winning player of the final awards, and um, like said, Mary's know just how 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 good he is. Like he's a top class hurler and a footballer, and he's he's shown his skills over there too. So that's a that's one for Thursday's star. And just to point out as well, John Bob's daily is from Knockinidi. That's the exact same Knockinidi that Phil Healy is from, and Orla Cronin. So they're really putting that 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 um that town end on the map. And he was telling me that his home is literally just across the way from Phil and Jones' home. Um, he said Orla Din is just a couple of hundred meters down the road. So if you could find a recipe for success or what the what makes a good sports person? I think we have to start to search in Nakanidi. I think it deserves yeah. it deserves to be honed in. Like why why this little townland is producing all stars? There's another book. There's another book there, Kieran. There's something in the townland, maybe. Or there's something in Nakanidi. I, yeah. I could I could start a full series. I could run mm. all around West Cork. So yeah, so that's in this Thursday Southern Star. So we've loads, and I think just breaking news, just as this podcast is being recorded, is Kinsale Golfer. Um, John Murphy has been included on the Great Britain and Ireland Walker Cup team that will compete in Seminole on May 8 and 9 so that's I think they call Murphy. it they call it Seminole oh it's, that's my butcher of a, of a pronunciation of a Spanish I presume it's Spain is it Seminole um, so yeah so, sure. so John Murphy the Kinsale golfer has been named on, on the 2021 Walker Cup team so that's good news so we'll have that in Thursday star as well so you can see Jack there's a lot going on Absolutely brilliant stuff Kieran. I look forward to reading I look forward to seeing what posters the Whites have hanging up and I also encourage readers to keep an eye out for all of Martin Walsh's photographs because I've seen most of them the ones that are going to appear in this week's sports section and they are absolutely brilliant so kudos to Martin Walsh again he's been on flying form of late if you can't make it to the shops to pick up a copy of the Southern Star this Thursday, you can always get a copy online. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper. And this week's Southern Star will also include a free bumper 32-page home and garden magazine for all the gardening enthusiasts out there. So we can't get out and play hurling or football, but we can get out and cut the grass and weed the flower beds. So make sure to pick up a copy of that as well thanks for listening to the star sport podcast we'll be back at the same time next week if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify youtube or wherever else you get your podcasts slant super super super